There was once a Rosh Yeshiva in the Philadelphia Yeshiva. His name was Rav Mendel Kaplan. And he came across the uh, oceans from war-torn Europe. He was a chavrusa with Rebbechan Vassarman's son. He learned by Rebbechan. He was a guy in Eilam. And understandably, he had a very broken English. He actually had no English when he came off the boat. And he was hired as a rabbi originally in the Skoki Yeshiva in Chicago, and uh, before going on from there to Philadelphia. And he used to, every day, come into Shear in those early years with a Chicago Tribune paper. Why did he bring a Chicago Tribune paper? Well, he wanted to learn English. And he made a deal with his Talmidim that if you teach me English, I'll teach you how to read a paper. If you teach me the English language, I will teach you how to understand the headlines and the current events of what's going on in the world and how to see them through Tyrodika eyes. When we see events that happen in the daily papers, for those of us that expose ourselves to the daily papers and to the news, we have to always ask ourselves, what's behind the story? What's HaKadosh Baruch Hu trying to convey by this event happening, by that event happening? If we just go through life and everything is just mikra, everything is happenstance, that's a terrible way of living. That's not the way the Torah wants us to live. The Torah wants us to take messages, to understand that everything and anything that happens in this world, it might be uh, a, uh, an event that's taking place on the other side of the seas in Korea or in China. It might be something that, of course, is happening in Eretz Yisrael. It might be happening in, uh, in Louisiana might be happening in California, might be happening here in Queens. But every little detail that's taking place in the world, there's a reason and there's a message. And you need, obviously, a little bit of Das a little bit of a Tairadika perspective to analyze it and to understand it and to take away the appropriate message. But rest assured that there is a message to be taken from everything. Ripped from the headlines is this fascinating development in Eretz Yisrael that happened, I think it was September 6th, that there were six Arab terrorists that escaped from the Gilboa prison system in northern Israel. They somehow got the tools to dig a hole in the underneath a, a piece of stone. They lifted up the stone and they would dig every day a little bit more, a little bit more. And finally, I don't know how in the world they did it, but they're coming up with a lot of details as we speak. They're trying to figure it all out. They dug a tunnel outside of this maximum security jail system that was the pride of the Israel uh, prison system, and six Arab terrorists 
had a jailbreak. They snuck out of this jail, and it was a tremendous, tremendous embarrassment for the uh, Israeli police, for the Israeli uh, um, prison system, and the whole world was basically in shock how such a thing could happen. How would it be possible for six terrorists to dig themselves out of a tunnel with all of the security systems and all of the Israeli technology and all of the, uh, the guards that were uh, supposedly observing all these monitors day and night and there were dogs that were barking as they were leaving and there was alarms that were going off and for some reason all of these prisoners managed to escape and there was a ma- major manhunt and so far they've caught four out of six of them who are still on the run. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu make that happen during this time of year? Why did he permit it to happen? One thing is for sure, I'm not telling you that I know the answer, but it definitely was not happenstance. And I think I do know the reason why it happened. And the reason is black and white in the classical Sefer Shari Tshuva of Rabbeinu Yaina, it's a must-read the entire year, but specifically this year, at this time of year. Rabbi Yaina was one of the G'dayle HaRishayinim, and he wrote a, a, a Sefer that's a classic for all time, and in a thousand years from now, they will still be learning the Shari Tshuva. When you want to understand what Tshuva is all about and the various components and the emotional heart tugs that you have to go through, and the pain and the embarrassment and, the, uh, and the, the mercy and the compassion and all the many different Yisaydi HaTshuvah. Rabbi Yaina is speaking sort of at the beginning of the Sefer that you can't procrastinate Tshuva. For those of you that say, you know what, Tshuva is very cool, I, I, I really like the concept of Tshuva, but let me kick that can down the road a little bit. I'm not ready yet to do tshuva. Let me hop a little bit more, you know, one more movie, one more Lashon Hara, one more, one more uh, you know, Kabbalah's Lashon Hara. Uh, you know, one, one, more, one, more, one more thing I want to do, and then I'll do tshuva afterwards. So Rabbi says that's a very terrible attitude to have. You have to hop tshuva when you have a iris of tshuva. Because if you don't, and you're given the opportunity to escape from your Averis, and you don't take HaKadosh Baruch Hu up on this opportunity, on this offer, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu gets very, very upset when you turn down this opportunity. And then he brings this fantastic mashal. This is the mashal. I'll read it inside. It's a short mashal. It's not his own mashal. Everybody thinks it's his own, but really it's a medrash in Kailas Rabbah. Mashal listim. A mashal of a band of robbers, of bandits, of terrorists. The king locks them up in jail. And they dug a tunnel... I make this not up. You could look it up yourself. If you think I just wrote this right before the tish, it ain't the case. And they, they dug a tunnel. 
Partsu Vayavaira, and they successfully broke out of jail through this tunnel. Vinishar Echamehem. And there was one guy that remained. Six guys escaped, one guy remained. And by the way, that did happen. I just read tonight that there was one guy who was supposed to go along with them. He was supposed to get out of the tunnel with the other six guys, but he chickened out at the last minute. He decided he's going to take a pass. He was afraid, and he was actually pretty smart to do that because the other guys, you know, at least four of them, did not fare too well. So one guy remains in the jail. Six of them broke out. One of them remained. Okay, sounds familiar, right? Basar Beis Hasayhar comes along the prison warden, Vera Machteres Chasura. He sees what happens. He's inspecting this hole. You know, there are pictures of like the Israeli police like looking at this hole like on the other side of the jail, like, and they're like, what in the world just happened? Very, very embarrassing. But they see this, this guy, this is one guy that remained in jail. Okay, now what do you think would be the response? Those of you that never saw this mushal, this, this rabbi, I know some of you might have, but those of you that did not, what do you think the warden would do to this guy that remained there, that did not break out? That wasn't the right answer. And you know that. The right answer would have been that I would give him an award. He's the prisoner of the year. He had the opportunity to escape, but he stayed. He didn't run out of jail. He didn't, he didn't take part in that, in that jail break, in that, in that prison breakout. He actually was a good boy, and he behaved himself, and he stayed. That's what I would have thought would happen. But surprisingly, the Medrash thought differently. He starts hitting him. The warden starts hitting this guy with a stick, beating him up, whipping him. The warden says to him, you fool. The tunnel is dug in front of you. It's before you. You have a way out. You have an escape. How did you not take that opportunity to run? You're crazy. You're stupid. You're insane. And for that, the warden was hitting this poor guy mercilessly. Now, I understand what the Medrash is getting at. I understand why Rabbi Yaina is using this as what, for exactly what he needs. Because Rabbi Yaina is trying to say that if you have an opportunity to do tshuva, HaKadosh Baruch Hu dug a hole for you, dug a tunnel to get out of your, of your dungeon, and you don't escape, then you're a fool. You deserve to get a bigger Einish. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the Rabbi Yaina's proof to what he's trying to say. I get that. Okay, that's very obvious, but I don't understand this mushal. I don't know what the mushal is saying. I understand the nimshal quite well, but the mushal has always made me like scratch my head and say, what in the world happened here? Why would you beat this guy up? This guy stayed. What do you want from him? He stayed. 
This isn't my question. This is a question that has pondered people probably since Rabbi Yehuda wrote this sefer, and all the great Bali Musar weigh in on this. All of them. Now I'm not a Bal Musar, but I'm going to weigh in with my own shot. What's the point of jail? What's the point of a prison? So, growing up in our society, you know, if, an, if a Martian would come down and look at the penal system, they'd say, I know what, what the point of jail is. Jail is a place that when somebody does a crime, they get rewarded with a lifetime of cable television, with a fully equipped gym to really make them chayas rice, like if they weren't strong and like dangerous beforehand, they come out like really buff. Um, they probably pick up, uh, you know, a couple of different languages. They probably take, a, you know, graduate from like a, with a PhD at the end of the, you know, there, there's so many benefits for being in jail. But that's our American jail system. That's not really a, a good way of understanding jail. What a jail is really supposed to be is a deterrent. Before I do a crime, I'm going to think really hard and I'm going to like really hesitate a thousand times before I do anything because knowing that I'm going to be locked up in a really dark, dingy, dismal, disgusting... Any other Ds? Uh, what? Dungeon. Good. Decrepit. Decrepit. Okay, that's it. No more. All right. Um, place would really make me not want to do it. I don't want to do a crime and have to be in one of these like old dungeons, you know, with uh, my hands in, uh, in 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 chains and stocks or whatever you call it, and you know, with with terrible things going on there and scary and you know, other people beating me up all day. I don't want that. I don't want to be served bread and water. I don't want to do that. So I wanna I wanna not be in jail. That's what jail should be. Jail should be a very, very like, bad place to go. And those people that are in jail, if it's that type of jail, will want nothing else but to get out of jail as fast as possible, to rehabilitate themselves, to be able to live a life on the outside of jail, to want to go and start a new family, get married, have children, get a normal job, be a functional member of society. I don't want to live in jail. I don't want to be here. This place is, I, I can't wait to get out. That's what a jail should, in a perfect, tri, perfect society, be. The American jail system is the opposite. People don't mind going to jail. It's better in jail than, than in their homes. They get great food three times a day. They get, you know, whatever they want. I once... I drove once a person up to a, a jail, a person, whatever, without getting it. I knew a person many years ago, and he did a crime, and he had to go and serve uh, about a year and a half in a, in a, in a jail in, in New York. The jail actually has a dafyaymi and minyanim, and don't worry about it. Um, so I didn't want his family to have to take, them, take, take him up. I didn't think that that would be a, a, a nice thing for them to have to, you know, for whatever. So I, I offered to do it, and unfortunately they took me up on the offer. 
And I went up together with the Hasidic Rebbe, who's very involved, he's a big tzaddik, and he does a lot of, you know, these issues with people that are going to jail. Anyway, we stopped off on the way up to this jail. We stopped off first in, uh, in, in, uh, in Maznayim Svarim store in Borough Park. For those of you, it had to, we had to bring like a shas for him. He had to come in a sealed box. And, um, and he got to bring that. And up, up there, it's not bad. Imamish have minyanim, you have daf very minimal work, uh, a lot of good chevra, you make a lot of good business partners, relationships, network there. And, you know, it's not nice for the family, obviously, but there are worse places to be. But that's not a normal thing. A normal thing is that you don't want to go to jail. It's the last place in the world you want to be, and it's the first place you want to get out of. The problem is that people, they get what's called institutionalized. And it happens in every jail in the world. Even if, whether it's a good jail or a bad jail, what happens is that a person, after a certain amount of time, they begin to say, I don't want to go out. I'm very happy here. I, you know, it's not a great place, but you know, I, get, I get my meals served here. I don't have to find a job. I don't have to worry about getting fired. I don't have to you know, have a family. I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, about doing, paying taxes and, and, and doing gardening and doing uh, sh- uh, you know, snow, snow blowing. I, I hear everything is done for me. It, this is good. It's fine. I'm happy. That type of person is the opposite of what the penal system, what the jail system is supposed to be doing. The last thing in the world that you want a prisoner to be is institutionalized. You want a prisoner to want to get out, to want to, to learn their lesson, to want to escape, to want to have a, a brand new life, you know, a new identity, run away really far, and be able to start all over again, getting me out of this place. The people that are there and don't understand the value anymore of getting out of jail because they became too, too comfortable, too set in their ways, too, too enveloped in this cocoon, which is prison, they are an utter failure of what the system was designed to be. When those prisoners escaped from prison in the mushal, they did something bad. Obviously, they weren't supposed to escape. That wasn't what they were supposed to do legally. But in a sense, the warden, when seeing that they had broken out, in a way he felt, in a sense, content. You know why? Because they proved that the system was working they proved that exactly the attitude that they were trying to foster in this jail was on full display. They didn't want to be in this jail. They wanted to get out. So much so that they risked their life to dig a tunnel and to get out, and they escaped. That proved that what we were trying to do worked. You wanted to get out. We wanted wanted you to try to get out. We didn't want you to actually get out but we wanted you to constantly have the sha'ifa to get out, to see that there's a great world, a beautiful world out there, and I don't want to be in this dungeon anymore. I want to get out and start my life anew, start with a fresh 
pair of eyes and a, and, and, and a clean heart and honest hands and do everything from scratch once again, be a barrier chadasha. When the warden came in, he was more angry at that one felon that stayed than those six that ran out. Because the six that ran out were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing. That one that stayed was a kshayayim, he was a fool. Because he was so institutionalized in the prison of his life that he didn't even yearn enough to want to get out, to see the beauty of escaping, of getting out into the real world once again. He became too customized. He became too comfortable. It became too convenient for him to stay. And he was the failure of the system. He proved that the system was broken. And I think that this fits perfectly with what Vinayana is trying to teach us. Shuva is the recognition that I'm not in a good place. That where I am right now, the little world that I built for myself is dingy, it's dark, it's dismal, and it's a dungeon. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm disgusted by the matzah that I'm in. I'm not comfortable here. This is not where I should be. Where do I want to be? I want to be out of my daladamas. I want to be able to see the sunlight again. I want to get closer to the shechina. I want to live a clean, moral life with Shmir Seinayim. I don't want to look at Shmut so easily. I don't want to listen to Gaiusha music and Gaiusha gossip. I don't want to go places that I know that I shouldn't be going to, but yet my, my feet keep carrying me towards on those moments of weakness. I don't want to use my hands for things that are usur. I don't want to use my, my ears and my mouth for things that are usur. These are all things that we're going to say, those of you that come early enough, that are zeicha to daven tefilah and those precious moments before, before Kol Nidre, come early. Bench, bench quickly and come down to the base medrash. When you're Bachram, you could do that. When you're married with a family and you have to get everything in order and find your slippers and find your kids' uh, kid slippers and your, and your, and your kittel and, and everything, you're always inevitably tripping into Kol Nidre. But when you're Bachram, you don't have to. You can come and come at a good time and look at the luach when Tfilazaka starts and then come 10 minutes before that and cry because it's basically saying what I just said, that you know, we've done so many Averis with all of our, our limbs, with our eyes, with our ears, with our mouth, with all of the Evarim, and it goes into graphic detail describing what we've done wrong, and then it says, but here's Yom Kippurim. and Yom Kippurim comes, and with not eating, I'm atoning for all the things that I did wrong with my mouth, and with not, uh, with not doing certain, certain activities that are us in Yom Kippurim, I'm atoning for those things. And for all the things that I've done with my eyes, the tears of Yom Kippurim should cleanse my eyes that saw so much pollution. Tefillah Zaka is a, is a magnificent tefillah, and then we're Michael everybody, Beleva Benefesh, which is really the beautiful part. In fact, the Chavetz Chaim moved that part of Tefillah Zaka earlier on. You'll read in the Artskel Machzerim, it says the Chavetz Chaim moved that section 
early because many people don't have the ability to finish the old Filozaka in time for Kol Nidre, so you skip it. But that's really the, uh, the, main, the main part that you're being Michael everybody, Belevo Benefesh, unless somebody owes you money and you know, the, the, you know that, that you don't want to be Michael. But everything else, you want to be Michael everybody. When Akadish Baruch Hu sees you want to be Michael everybody, guess what he does? He's Michael you. So Tfilah Zaka is very, very important. But I want to not just say Tfilah Zaka, I want to live Tfilah Zaka. I want to be a Tfilah Zaka a Yid. I want to be a Yid that mamish my eyes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me to learn and to daven and to look at people positively. I want to be able to, to use those eyes that way as they were designed the rest of my life. I don't want to go back to that dungeon and look at stuff that I know is usher and I feel disgusting about. I want to use my mouth for, for nivel peh, for cursing and for gossip and for, and for achilas and for sheker and for all the terrible things that we use our mouth for. I want my mouth to be a clean instrument for the Rabbi Nishlam. I want to daven with it. I want to speak good. I want to learn Tyra with it. My body, all of my evarim, my remach evarim, I want to do as I want. That's what I want to do. But I'm, I'm stuck in this dungeon I want to get out. HaKadosh Baruch Hu digs us a tunnel and we could see the light at the end of the tunnel if we look carefully, if we close our eyes. Sometimes you see clearest when you close your eyes and you'll be able to see that light at the end of the tunnel and that's the light of Tshuva. That's the light of Yom HaKippurim. That's what we're going to say tomorrow night. There is a light that's planted for a tzaddik and for those that have an upright heart, they'll have joy. It's a joyous life. We think the opposite. We think that tzaddikim nebuch, you know, they're stuck. They don't have a smartphone. They don't know what the geshmaka things about life is. That tzaddikim are the happiest people because they don't have those things. They don't have the distractions. They're always in touch with the Rabbi They're always shivisi Hashem l'negdi samid. The first Ramah in Shulchan Aruch and Arachayim, Zechal Gadol Batayr of Mamailas Hatzadikim. This is the greatest palm that I have, having Hakadosh Baruch with me at all times, not pushing Hakadosh Baruch out of our life, thinking that when we lock the door in our in our rooms, that Hakadosh Baruch can't somehow get in. Hakadosh Baruch is all over. Hakadosh Baruch knows what we're doing. Hakadosh Baruch wants us to take his hand. He wants us to grab onto his hand and be pulled onto the train of tshuva, to break out of our cell, to break out of our darkness finally. That's what our she'ifas should be. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us with Aserasim Tshuva, with Yem HaKippurim and Arzaru Alat Tzadik. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Look at the light at the end of the tunnel. Just walk. Follow me. I'm here for you. I know it's scary. It's a new life. It's a new experience, a new existence. But you're holy. You're pure. Let's, let's work on that. Let's build on that. I'm here with you. Those are for the lucky Yechidim that are able to break out, to dig that tunnel to climb out of that tunnel into freedom. Unfortunately, the vast majority of us 
are like that one prisoner that got institutionalized and he's happy, he's content. He has no vision, no ambition, no dream of getting out. He's very, very happy. Thank you very much. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't want to... I don't want to like mess with my status quo. My status quo is fine. Is it, am I a tzaddik? No. But I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. Aren't we all that way? Think about it. Think about what I'm saying and tell me if it's not true. Don't we like our current status quo a lot? Isn't Yom Kippur just like sort of a head fake for us until we can you know, get around it and then, and then go back to our comfort zone? Aren't we comfortable with our YouTube and with our Netflix and with our, and with our uh, cable and with our uh, sports and not that sports is a terrible thing, but to an extreme and living in this existence of Gaisha music and Gaisha culture and movies and video games. Some of them are okay in moderation, some of those things that I said. I'm not trying to make us all into Schleinemans. But aren't we too comfortable in the existence that we've built for ourselves in our little dungeon that we have? We know that it's not what we really should be. We know that there's a better us. We know we could do so much better. But yet, we see that tunnel as being somewhat of a of a threat to our existence. We're afraid to break out of our comfort zone because this is who I am. My friends are like me. They like me because I am like them. I don't want to ruin my friendships. My family likes me because of who I am. And quite frankly, I'm, 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 I'm pretty good. So let's just go through the Yom Purim, you know, winking through the al and and let's get, let's, Get to tomorrow night to, to Matzah Yom Kippur, have our kakish cake, go home and, and, and continue in our dudgeon. Vayach says If we have this concept and we are too content in the life that we've built and we are giving ourselves one big OU on everything that we do. Everything is fine. There's a rabbinical supervision. Everything is, is kosher v'yasher in our world, even though we know that it's really not. And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me as well. I'm not preaching. We're having a group therapy meeting here. There's a 12-step program that we should have because we are all addicts to our life our lifestyles that we, we like. We like it. It's comfortable. It's wrong, but it's comfortable. Comfortable is not what we should be right now. We should be in a yearning posture. We should be very anxious to break out of the cell of, of Averis that we're in. We should want to get into that light. People will like us. After we do this, no one in their right mind is going to like us less because we change a little bit, because we become a little bit more nizer in things. Whatever Kabbalah it is that you make, stick to it. I guarantee you nobody's going to like you less. If anything, they will respect you more. Now, we're not going to change our entire personas in, in 24 hours. That's pretty impossible, I think. But I think we could all make minor Kabbalahs of... Improvement, small improvements, 
things that I want to do less of after Yom Kippurim. Whatever it may be, I'm not going to tell you what, what you should be doing, and I hope you don't tell me what I should be doing. But we all know what we could be doing better. And if we think about that a little bit, that's our tunnel that we're trying to dig. And we're trying to show the Bari Lamim that the gift that he's giving us, this once-in-a-year opportunity of tshuva, and just because it's once in a year, don't think that you can kick the can down the road and, and, and do it next Yom Kippurim, because you know what? There might not be a next Yom Kippurim. Either Chalila V'chas, there might be a worldwide pandemic, as crazy as that, as that might sound. I know many people that were nifter this past year, or this past year and a half. A year ago, they would have maybe been listening to this shmuz. And now they can't because they're no longer alive. Rahman al-Litzlan, hopefully this is all going to be a, a faint memory very soon, but we don't know what tomorrow brings. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter said that if Yemek Yipurim was something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us once in 70 years, we would be eternally grateful for that opportunity. It would be like a Birchus HaChama, like how many Birchus HaChamas were you zeichet to in your life? You were Zeichet Yemakipurim, you'd be like the envy of the whole shul. You're 75 years old and you actually daven the Yem Kippur. When you were five years old, you chapte Yem Kippur. You mean you have no Averis? That's amazing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't give it to us once every seven years. He gives it to us once a year, but that doesn't mean that it's a cheap thing. That means HaKadosh Baruch Hu is infinitely kind with us. But it's an opportunity that we must not just let slip through our fingers. Yom Kippur is an opportunity to break out of jail. And make no mistake, we're in a jail. It's a comfortable jail, but it's a jail. Are we going to be able to be entirely different next year? Doubtful. Can we be a little bit better? Yes. And if we're a little bit better, HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes us, He hugs us, He kisses us, and he says, Salachti kidvarecha. I forgive you for everything because I see that you're trying. I see that you want to be better. I see you want to improve. You want to be a bentire. You want to be the best that you could be. And it's hard. HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands what we're up against. He knows all about technology and he knows about the weakness that we, that we have within. He knows how we grew up and he knows where we went to high school. He knows where, what we've done. He knows us. He doesn't blame us. He's not angry with us. He loves us. He wants us to improve. He's waiting for us to just do a little bit of tshuva, a little teeny bit of tshuva, genuinely. And when that happens, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're amazing. The Rambam says that, look at how great the power of tshuva is. Yesterday, a person that was a chayte, was a shakots, a menuval, a he was despised, and, and today he's of and nechmad, the did. He is the closest to the Rabbi Shalom as a human being can be. I just want to end with a story. I'd love to have some more music, but Rabbi said, unless you really have to go to bed, stay a little bit more for the music afterwards. The music is, is what, will, what will really hopefully lift us up. Again, you can if you want, but. It's such beautiful music, and these, these, the Mashkiach band is, is, is unparalleled, in my opinion. 
Baruch Hashem. But there was a Maisa that happened with Rabbi Arya Levine. Rabbi Arya Levine was the Tzaddik of Yerushalayim, and he was, of course, uh, a person who went and visited the prisoners in the British prisons before the, uh, before the State of Israel was founded, and he loved them, and they loved him, and he came to them once on Chalamayid Pesach, and he gathered them around, and they were listening to what he was saying, and he said, no, how did the Starim go? How were the Pesach Seders? So one, one wise guy in the, in the group said, it was going really well until we got to Shveich HaMascha. And I tried to open up the, the doors, but they were locked. The prison doors were locked. And everybody laughed. Rabbi Levine said, I want you to know something. There are people that are outside of prison that are bigger prisoners than people that are inside a prison. When we say it's not about opening up the front door of our house to let in Eliyahu Navi. It's about opening up a little hole in our heart. Just a little pinprick in our heart of tshuva, allowing Eliyahu Navi to come in. And when we do that, we are the freest people, the greatest Bnei Chayrin in the world. As soon as we do that, and if we don't do that, we could be living in a mansion outside of jail, but we're the biggest prisoners. And that, I think, is exactly what we're saying here tonight. We're not expected to become superheroes and, and big tzaddikim overnight. But a little pinprick we can do. A little charata, a little vidu, a little... A little uh, Kabbalah, Allah Asid, a little crying on Yom Kippurim, a little singing on Yom Kippurim, a little Hizgarvis, the Rabbi Yishalem, asking Mechila from our friends before Yom Kippur begins, making that call to people that we may have wronged over the year or over the years. It's hard. These aren't easy things, but we could do it. But these are all just to enable us to open up a little, little hole in our heart, a little tunnel, we open up that tunnel, there's going to be Eilamis of Iris, light, divine light that will shine forth from us. An Arzarul at Sadiq will be planting a seed of, of light, of righteousness, of goodness, and we'll see that we'll be able to be better. Machar tomorrow. Say tomorrow, I mean Erev Yom Kippurim, and I mean on Yom Kippur itself. Machar That will be the sign that we have that it's time to do tshuva. It's time to break out of our dungeon. And it's time to begin a better tomorrow.